But wait, it gets worse. 65% of burglars are already well acquainted with the people that they rob. But wait, it gets worse. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Mara. Each week we'll bring you a chilling tale and a real life encounter, and it's up to you to determine which is which. And how gross is that fact, am I right? I honestly thought it would be higher, I'm not gonna lie. Really? 65% is a lot. I feel like most crimes, be it kidnapping, rape, murder, robbery, are committed by somebody that you know. It's usually not random. I guess like some of it I see, a lot of it though I would assume for like burglary, it would be someone who's just like sees that you have a super nice house or like sees you moving in nice furniture. Like a crime of opportunity. Yeah, not necessarily who you'd know, but. I get that, but at the same time, like who knows the kind of stuff you have except for the people you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that tells us that this week we're gonna be talking about home invasions. Yeah. Oh, I forgot we didn't even mention we- Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that we were recording, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Um, but last week we told you about losing limbs. Yes, we did. That was interesting. Yes. My story was the incredible survival story of Mary Vincent. Um, I got my information from Ranker.com and Wikipedia. Um, what a tragic story. Yeah, that was a really hard story to get through. Um, Luckily... We know that she survived. That was a great tidbit to put at the top of the story. Yeah, because it would have been hard to get through otherwise. I mean, it was already hard to get through, so. Well, right, and I'm sure that I would have been, like, bawling, and you would have been like, Shannon, you need to pull pull yourself together, (laughs) my dude. (laughs) Um, So that means that my story was fake. Of course, I got it from Reddit No Sleep, and the user was Hyper Obscura is their name. And, again, I believe that I said it. Um, in the episode itself, but it was called when my daughter loses her temper, my next door neighbor accidentally loses a limb. That story was out of control. I, oh no, I'm going to say the word again. Edited it. (laughs) Edited it. Edited it. Edited it with Chris right next to me. And he was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I still have questions. Like, I think there are maybe parts of the story that were supposed to tie together that I didn't pick up on. Um, but I read through it multiple times and still, like, was kind of confused. Yeah, that was a doozy. Um, so, this week, home invasions. Do you want to go first? I would like to tell you my story first. Okay, if that, hit me. If that works for you. Okay, cool. Oh, also, did you unplug the cuckoo clock? No. I did elevator music. Oh. Like with my mouth. Like with your mouth. Okay. Proceed. All right. This happened a while ago. I removed names for obvious reasons. My well-to-do brother was going on a vacation and requested that I, a teacher, take care of his dogs for the week and a half he'd be gone. Having nothing better to do, I ascended and drove myself over to their place in the city suburbs. I thought it would be like a vacation, but soon found that living in someone else's house can actually be boring as hell. I spent most of my time watching his limited cable package, playing his dusty PS2, and eating his food. PS2. (laughs) There were two dogs to watch over. Amusingly, my brother had both a giant American bulldog named Lucy 
who was 80 pounds of muscle and bone, and an adorable dachshund named Coco that belonged to his fiancée. Oh, Coco. All I really had to do was keep the dogs fed and watered and prevent Lucy from killing anyone who had the gall to come near the house. The only annoying thing about my job was that some of the rooms were absolutely filthy. It was so bad that my brother instructed me not to even step foot in either his bedroom or the guest room due to embarrassment about their condition. The living room, kitchen, and basement contained your average millennial sloppiness, but their bedroom was covered floor to ceiling in dirty clothes, crusted plates of food, and trash. The stench of weed was also distinguishable. His guest room was a little better, used to hoard nearly everything he and his girlfriend had no place for. It was also filled with junk, and I never went near its tiny closet for fear of being buried in an avalanche of furniture, DVDs, and other crap they didn't need. That part, I think, is that's pretty shitty. You're going to ask somebody to stay at your house for a week and a half, but the guest room that you have isn't even cleaned up. For right. Them. <laughs> uh, it was as... No. It was a ridiculous situation for someone as wealthy as my brother seemed to be. I didn't understand why they didn't just hire a maid. He asked me to stay clear of both rooms, and I was happy to oblige, sleeping instead on the couch in the basement where I could at least move freely without stepping on an old dog turd. The first few days, everything was fine. I generally just dicked around on my phone or the television. I had classes to make for the next year, but even in my supreme boredom, I couldn't bring myself to do any real work. And even if I wanted to use my laptop, I quickly ran into a technical problem. My brother lived in a rougher suburb, so he had two small security cameras that connected to an app I could pull up on my phone or laptop. These cameras had motion sensors that would detect when someone came to either the front or back door. Instead of doing their jobs properly, the damn things went off like crazy every quarter hour or so. That's like my ring doorbell because it's so close to the street. Yeah. Anytime a car goes by, it's like, there's motion at your door. Oh, that's super annoying. Yeah, and that's what it says. Motion detected front right. door. Yeah. But whenever I checked the app or the doors themselves... No one was there, and the rewound footage showed only empty air. I was tempted to turn the app off completely, but I instead just ignored the constant buzzes on my phone and laptop. The weird stuff started happening on the third night. I had locked everything up and was taking my evening shit in the basement bathroom (laughs) when I heard the sound of banging glass. It was coming from somewhere outside the house, like someone was clanging to be let in. I was trying to pinpoint where the hell the noise was coming from, but it stopped nearly as soon as it started. The dogs, Lucy especially, lost their shit. Uh Uh-oh. This was midnight. So I came to the conclusion that I was about to be burgled or murdered, but there were no sounds besides the dogs. Rushing off the toilet, I grabbed my phone and checked the camera app. No one at either door. Realizing I had to do something... I snatched the tiny handgun my brother left me and tentatively made my way out of the basement. If you heard smashing glass, would you think that the person was at the door, though? Probably not. It depends where you hear it coming from. Like, if there's a window in that door, maybe they smashed it. Yeah, okay, okay. I just assumed window automatically. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Coco followed me, snarling. All the lights were out, just like I left them, but I quickly changed that. I checked the windows on all three floors to ensure they were locked. I double-checked the screen doors, too. Everything was latched shut. 
There was no sign of any forced entry and the backyard was clear. In the darkness outside, all I could see was my brother's small storage shed and a ladder he hadn't bothered to put away, lying placidly in the grass. The shed was padlocked closed. I thought about calling the police, but even as I considered it, I began to doubt what I had heard. Was it really a banging outside of the house, or had it been something inane like thunder or the wind? I just couldn't be sure, and my family has always been wary of law enforcement, so I held off on alerting anyone. I sat up with the dogs that night until sleep finally took me. Nothing else happened. I called my brother the next day, and he agreed with me that I shouldn't get too paranoid. He said it was probably for the best not to call the cops, that he hears weird noises in the house all the time because it was built with cheap, rickety materials. Nevertheless, I was on edge. I checked the blinds constantly, and my eyes were glued to the app to make sure no one was crawling around the front or back door. Oh my god, just call the cops, you'll feel better. Unfortunately for me, weird shit kept happening. Uh. As the week wore on, there was no more banging on glass at night but I started to hear something else. At first, I thought it was my own brain making white noise to drown out the quiet, but as soon as I realized it was coming from the house itself, from inside the walls. I'm sorry, the fuck? (laughs) It was a static sound that I recognized somehow, but couldn't quite pin down in my mind. It was like an electrical whirring that I could just barely make out that everything was silent in the dead of night or when the dogs napped during the daytime. It seemed to jump around from spot to spot, but never lasted long. I became nervous, feeling trapped in the place that was supposed to be my vacation home. I didn't leave the house much at that point, but when I did go out to get food or something, the the dogs would always follow me to the door and whine more than usual as if they didn't want me to go. I had to close their pen often to keep them from following me around everywhere. Thankfully, they started to calm down majorly after about a week of my being there, but I quickly became freaked out by this too. Both Lucy and Coco started sleeping about 18 hours each day. What the hell? (laughs) There's somebody in the house. They would flop down next to me in the basement and wouldn't move for what felt like an eternity. Coco especially looked so comatose that I started checking her for a pulse every now and then. I could barely get them to eat or go to the bathroom. In fear of allowing them to just drop dead, I made a vet appointment for both dogs. They ran some routine tests and told me that there was nothing wrong with either dog physically and that maybe the excitement of a new face had just worn them down. That sounded like the stupidest thing I ever heard, Yep, but I had no better explanation. Shit hit the fan in the second week at the house. The app was constantly telling me someone was at the front and back doors, and the dogs kept going back and forth between whining fearfully and snoring in my lap. The whirring sound sent chills down my spine whenever I heard it. I was getting hardly any sleep at all. Every night before bed, I checked and rechecked all of the windows, some which didn't have blinds. The unshakable feeling that I was being watched drove me to dread and anxiety. I covered the blindless windows with blankets, and I kept the gun near me 24-7. The place was becoming like a prison, but I felt bound to protect it. One evening, exhaustion overtook me, and I collapsed on the couch. 
The whirring sound woke me up louder than it had ever been. What is the sound? But this time it was accompanied by footsteps moving within the house. The whirring sound woke me up louder than it had ever been, but this time it was accompanied by footsteps moving within the house. I swear to God, they were some heavy footfalls, but they moved so slowly that even in the moment, I couldn't accept what I was hearing. Was someone there? Obviously someone's there. The footsteps plodded exceedingly slowly above me in the upstairs where the two restricted rooms were. Suddenly, a sick thought struck me. I hadn't gone up in those rooms hardly at all the past few days. What if someone was hiding in one of them the whole time? No shit, buddy. They were so disgusting that I thought they were off limits, but that didn't mean they were empty. The dogs lay beside me, completely oblivious in their slumber. As silently as I could, I retrieved the gun and my phone and trembling made my way to the top floor. I still couldn't call the police. Not only, or not until I was sure I wasn't acting crazy. I checked my brother's room first. I was electrified with terror as I opened the door, remembering every horror movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it was completely empty, full of only trash, scrawling ants, and rotten odors, just as he had left it. I just had to check the guest bedroom and I'd be safe. That's when my phone buzzed. Motion detected front door. Son of a bitch, if I was maintaining any stealth that was gone now, I waited for something to happen. A maniac to charge me from the stairs or the bedroom door. Hell, at this point, I wouldn't have been surprised to see an electrical fan demon pop out of the wall whirring <laughs> at me. <laughs> but nothing happened. After five bone-chilling minutes of silence, I finally gathered the courage to check the front door camera on my phone. As always, an empty porch greeted me. I tried to keep my breathing calm as I opened the door to the guest bedroom. It was also empty. Just junk piled high and no sign of footprints or any whirring sound. My eyes fell on the last spot of the house that I hadn't swept yet. The small closet. I actually started to feel better about the whole situation. I had been so strung out that I had to have been hearing things, and I had no actual evidence of anyone in the house except my untrustworthy ears. I threw open the closet door, and just as I was expecting, there was no one and nothing there. Except a window. A window I hadn't fucking noticed in all of my time at this house. Is it broken? I wanted to strangle whoever built this place. Why put a window in the closet of the spare bedroom? What did that contribute to the aesthetic of the house? The window was unlocked. Someone had cut away the glass just enough to pop a fist-sized piece out and unlatch it. Oh, no. They had replaced that piece carefully, so only a clear investigation would reveal it. But how the hell could a person use a window on the second floor of the house to get in? Unless they were some Assassin's Creed-type motherfuckers? <laughs> They couldn't just climb up the gutter in broad daylight. Then I remembered the ladder in the yard. Not locked up. Just laying in the grass waiting for anybody to come along and make use of it. Jesus Christ. I cursed my brother. More details came to my fearful eyes. Littering the floor were candy bar wrappers, a dirty blanket, and two water bottles filled with pale yellow liquid. No! Ugh. Yucky. My heart sunk further. Someone had been in the house with me and the dogs. It was at this moment that I knew I couldn't wait any longer. Darkness was coming on, and I had no fucking intentions of staying in that house tonight. I had to call the police. 
My phone buzzed right before the glass shattered. Motion detected front door. Motion detected back door. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, fuck. (laughs) The screen door cracked, and now a tremendous banging rang out from the front porch. Panicking, I tried to do too many things at once. I was trying to dial 911, but instead clicked the camera app open. A large man was plying away at the hinges of the front door with a crowbar. He was brawn and tall. On his face was a grinning skull balaclava. I was about to piss myself. He would be in in seconds. I nearly fell down the stairs, and then I was face to face with the door. Oh my god. All I could hear was the clanging as balaclava man beat his way inside. The hinges were bent, ready to burst. I am not some sort of action hero. I was an idiot, scared out of his mind, and faced with a home invasion I felt like I had no way of handling. I did the only thing I thought made sense. I fired five times into the door. (gasps) The gun wasn't all that powerful. It was a nine millimeter, but it made a hell of a lot of noise. For an instant, I even felt some relief because I knew someone, even in this bad neighborhood, would soon call the police for me. The banging stopped and I heard a groaning from beside the front door. I opened it and found the man gasping on the ground, chest full of holes. Shockingly, the screen door was still partially intact. That's how I saw the reflection of another figure behind me. What? (laughs) This one was skinnier, a rail of a person covered with tattoos. Their face was pale white beyond a natural human skin color. Their lips were strangely feminine, but the blank features left me completely unsettled. A heavy metallic object struck the back of my skull with a wet thud. Oh, God. The figure pulled me back into the house. It struck me again, this time in the face, and I crumpled to the floor. There was little pain. It was all disorientation. I didn't lose consciousness, but I was concussed. Looking up, I saw the pale face above me. It had hit me with a metal detector. Where is it? A male voice shouted. Then, grabbing me off the floor, where the fuck is it? What? What? I stuttered out, barely able to comprehend what was happening. Where's what? Seeing I was in no condition to talk, he let me crumple and began pacing the floor, unsure of what to do. He ripped off his mask to reveal a bony, hard face glistening with sweat. A teardrop tattoo rested on his cheek. In the far distance, I thought I could hear sirens. My vision was heavily blurred and the lights of the house made my head split. Then, the man started tearing the house apart. He pulled the cushions off the couch, swept ants off the kitchen counter, and about destroyed the shoe closet. It was nearly comical. He turned his attention toward the basement. It's gotta be there, he murmured, eyeing the dog gate that led to the basement. He opened it and charged down. The next thing I heard was yelping and a splattering sound, followed by a series of barks and yips. With a grunt, I forced myself off the floor and just barely made it down the stairs, gun in hand. The intruder was trying desperately to shield his throat from Lucy, who was snapping at his arm with a kind of animal ferocity we all forget that dogs have. Good girl. The man's shoulder was already gashed to hell and bleeding profusely, A luminescent blue vein hung limply out of it. (laughs) I don't like it. Coco clung viciously to his pant leg, refusing to let him go. (laughs) Fuck, get off me, he screamed, ignorant of my presence. 
I know that shooting people is supposed to be hard, but in this scenario, the only trouble I had was aiming. I was concussed, scared, and angry all at once. These fuckers had been in the house for God knows how long, and they had scared the absolute shit out of me and the dogs. I emptied seven rounds into his gut. Oof. At the sound of the gunfire, the dogs yelped and dashed away. Thankfully, I didn't hit them. The man first bolted up, eyes wide, then whirled and slumped against the wall. I kept firing an empty pistol at his twitching figure. And then the cop shot me. <gasps> oh, God! <laughs> I know this story just really bugs me. <laughs> Uh, I didn't hear them break down the door. I didn't hear anyone shout for me to drop the gun. And I'll be damned if I heard the actual report of the pistol. Thankfully, the cop only hit me once and didn't fire at any of the dogs who were barking madly and dashing around the room. These poor dogs were like, what the fuck? (laughs) Before I passed out, I felt Lucy's tongue lapping my face. I woke up in the hospital a day later, IVs connected to my arm and oxygen running through my nose. As my condition improved, I learned a series of terrible revelations. I'll try to summarize them briefly here. Okay. One, my brother was not a businessman, as he had led the family to believe. Instead, he and his fiance had been working as accountants for a large drug operation in the city for the past five years. It was good money, but of course, a massive risk. Two, my brother was also not on vacation but instead was laying low in order to avoid being found because three, he had stolen a briefcase of cocaine from the people he worked for that was valued at about $120,000. Four, the cocaine was in the house with me the whole time because as my brother said at his trial, he believed the dealers wouldn't look for it there if he himself was gone. Oh my God. The people who had attacked us were trying to locate that case, which turned out had enough metal to be detected. That's why they were using the metal detector. Aha. Uh-huh. They had to be careful not to spook me, the dogs, or any neighbors if they'd hoped to find it. As it turned out, it was in my brother's disgusting bedroom in a hidden compartment inside their dresser. His plan was to come back a week or so later, collect his money, Even if I had been killed, it was all hidden well enough to go unfound (laughs) and get the hell out of the state as fast as he could. In his plan, I was an expendable patsy. The man who I shot through the front door was the muscle of the operation. He probably wasn't supposed to step foot in the house unless something bad happened. When I discovered the upstairs window, he sprung into action to stop me from alerting the police. The police found an SUV down the road that he was operating from. He lived. The skinny mask guy died. He was the brains of the operation. It was him who set up the firmware that caused the cameras in the house to register motion every few minutes. He also cracked open the upstairs window and was using the metal detector to search through the house each night. Additionally, he was drugging Lucy and Coco's food with a sedative each day in order to make them sluggish. It terrifies me to this day that he was able to move so freely throughout that house without my noticing. Yeah. I assume he was there for the majority of the week. Gross. The dogs must have sensed him, but he was apparently very good at staying under the radar as he moved unseen through the house as I bunkered down. 
That's the end of my story. I was a suspect for a bit, but eventually all evidence pointed to me being nothing more than a red herring and a patsy. My brother and his fiance both went to prison on felony drug trafficking charges. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to talk to them again, but I have at least two decades to make that decision. The whole thing messed me up pretty badly. Eventually, I copied my brother's idea and left the state forever. The man I killed might have friends who want revenge. Eek. But if anyone ever does come back for me, if they track me down and invade my home, I won't worry too much. Because every night when I go to sleep, I have old Lucy and Coco by my side. Bubbies. And the 9mm on my nightstand doesn't hurt either. (laughs) I feel like you have to be pretty ballsy to break into a house that you know has dogs in it. Well, like, yeah, I would be so terrified. I mean, if it's just like a regular burglary, that's one thing. They're it's they're probably less likely, but they know that there's a huge briefcase of a hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and you know they were taking those precautions by like sedating the dogs. I know, but you have to get into the house without the dogs noticing in order for you to sedate them in the first place. Well, he succeeded. So there's that good good luck. <laughs> That's not the cuckoo clock. What is that? What was that? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Is, are you sure it wasn't the cuckoo clock? It's yeah. Clock. Oh, that wasn't the cuckoo clock. I have no idea. It was stopped by the time I took the headphones off. I didn't like that one bit. <laughs> are you going to tell me a story? I am going to tell you a story. Okay, great. My story takes place in Japan. And so I apologize in advance if I get names wrong or pronounce things incorrectly. My favorite is when you say it one way like a couple times and then, and then I abandon that and switch for the rest of the Remember story. Remember the story? Oh, there's a spider. Remember about the forest? The story. No, not this forest one. I had a story, and one of the characters in it was like Rod, yeah, yeah. or Rob, Rob. And I kept calling him Ron or something. <laughs> well, and I realized listening back to last week's episode, I called the guy in my story Klaus at first, and yeah. then switched it to Klaus for yeah. this. <laughs> oh well. Oh okay. man. Okay, so just west of Tokyo, Japan. There is a quiet su- okay. There's a quiet suburb neighborhood of Setagaya. It was a sleepy residential area. I guess it still is. I don't know why it says was. A sleepy residential area where not much ever happened. There were a few houses and a lots of open space compared to the busy city of Tokyo. It was here that I'm gonna start saying names and I'm okay. gonna get them wrong and right. I'm sorry. Mikio. Mayazawa lived with his wife, Yasuko, and their two kids, eight-year-old Nina and six-year-old Ray. They had a few neighbors, one of which was Yasuko's older sister, Anne, and her mother. There weren't a ton of residents left in Setagaya because Tokyo had been planning on incorporating the suburb into the nearby Soshigaya Park. The family lived a pretty average life, which makes what happened to them all the more disturbing. Mm I don't like that. It sounds sinister. Yeah. It's not going to be good. 
I don't like the spider above my head. It's going the opposite direction. That's great. Goodbye. On December 31st, 2000, Yasoko's mother came by to visit after being unable to reach the family over the phone. However, no one seemed to be home. She rang the doorbell a couple of times and shouted to her daughter, but nobody answered. She let herself in thinking that they had gone out and would probably be home soon. When she entered the home, she found Mikio lying dead on the floor next to the stairs. Mm. He was soaked in blood and had clearly been repeatedly stabbed. Yikes. Uh, so she obviously freaked the fuck out. Mm -hmm. She went around the house shouting for her daughter and her grandchildren, only to find them dead as well. All alone. Yeah. Yasuko and Nina had also been brutally stabbed, and Ray had been strangled to death. She immediately contacted police, and they arrived a short while later and discovered a slew of just batshit evidence. Oh, no. So police discovered that the culprit had cut the phone line and then entered through a bathroom window on the second floor. He accessed the window by climbing a tree outside around 11.30 p.m. Wow. Both of our stories have people coming in through a window on the second floor. Yeah, fuck that. I, I don't even get scared about those windows. Like, I keep them unlocked and yeah. shit. Like, I don't like, I don't have any windows right next to my, I mean, I don't have any trees right next to my windows that people could, like, enter through, but holy shit. Yeah, ugh. Yeah, but in yours, they used a ladder, so who knows? Right, true. Um, he entered the home and strangled the boy Ray in his bedroom. After, he grabbed a sashimi knife to stab the rest of the family with one by one. Oh, my God. Yasuko and Nina were most likely attacked while they were sleeping. Many of their stab wounds were actually to the back, and their bodies were found outside of the bedroom. So cops believe that that ugh, cops believe that they like woke up and then tried to escape, and that the killer had chased them while continuing to stab them when they ran away. Ugh. Um, fragments of the sashimi knife was found were found in the body still, like lodged in the bodies. The knife broke. Ew. Ew. Um. So afterwards, the killer switched to another knife from the family's own kitchen. Ugh. So, seems like a pretty straightforward home invasion and murder. Right. Like, that's that. It just gets even fucking weirder. So after killing the Mayazawa family, the t killer decides to just hang out. The police estimate that the culprit spent several hours in the home. Just chilling. Yeah. He helped himself to some tea in the fridge, and he also ate some ice cream. And this part kills me. He chose to squeeze the ice cream out of the cups and bite it rather than using a spoon. First of all, anybody who can bite ice cream it's is an automatic guy. serial killer in my book. Yeah. That is a huge red flag. But uh, <laughs> it hurts my mouth to Not think about it. Not everybody has sensitive teeth, though. I don't care. If you don't have sensitive teeth, that's a red flag. You There's something else wrong with you, too. Yes. Gross. <laughs> Ew. Biting ice cream? Yeah, not great. No. No. Anyways. So, yeah. He held himself to some ice cream, had some tea out of the fridge. That's he also took the time to go through several drawers, the contents of which he decided to dump into the second floor bathtub. Because why not? You think he was just doing it so that he could fish out of there what he wanted? I don't know. Because then, after he does that, 
he decides he needs to take a shit. <laughs> and then he said, fuck it, to flush him. He just left his poop in the toilet. No shit. And decided to stuff two, hand two handbags, Mikio's wallet, and the house keys into the toilet along with his poop. What? What the fuck? And, like, it wasn't... Obviously, it wasn't, like, your average robbery. If you shove the dude's wallet in there, too, like, wouldn't you take that with you? Well, the, I'm assuming it didn't have, like, cash and I don't stuff think he took anything. What? I don't think he did. I could be wrong. I don't think he did. So In the articles I read, it doesn't say anything about the, like, the house missing anything. Wow. Yeah, dude. I would assume that this man is mentally ill, then. Um... I don't know. Uh, so the killer also seems to have received some injuries during the invasion. He used a first aid kit in the home, and his blood was found throughout the house, including on a towel that he just left behind. He cleaned himself up with a towel and left it there. Stupidest criminal on the planet. There was so much DNA everywhere. It was unreal. So... Pause for just a second. The poop thing reminded me. What was the the girl um, that was like studying abroad, and everybody thought she killed her roommate? Oh, and there was poop in their toilet. The girl in Italy. Yes. What's her name? Oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts. Amanda Knox. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Foxy Knox. Foxy Knox. Yeah. Her. Um. So I have wondered that too. How that case isn't solved because of the poop in the toilet. That's like well, a apparently solid DNA. It's great DNA, but it doesn't really tell you a lot. I guess if you don't have like their poop already saved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Continue. Uh. So then my dude took the time to use the family computer, where he visited a local theater's website. What the fuck? Afterwards, he took a nap on the couch. Oh, my God. And changed his clothes. This man's pissing me off at this point. He left his clothes behind. Of course he did. Neatly folding them with his jacket, his shoes, a hip bag, and his scarf. And he then he put the goddamn murder weapons just next to them by the sofa. So did he leave with no shoes, or did he have a... a I'm not sure if he brought other shoes or if he took shoes from the home. Okay. Uh, afterwards, the dude just left and apparently vanished off the face of the fucking earth. What? Obviously, an intense investigation was launched, and they had a metric fuck ton of evidence to work with. That's a great measurement. Metric fuck ton. <laughs> His blood showed that he was a man of mixed race with an east... Wow, that was hard to say. A man of mixed race with an East Asian father and a mother of Southern European descent. Unfortunately, searching DNA databases showed absolutely no match. Holy shit. Nothing came from the fingerprints left behind either. And the lack of information led investigators to believe that he might have been, like, not a citizen of Japan at all. Right. Uh, so, therefore, he wouldn't have been in their system. Uh, the poopy that he left in the toilet <laughs> was also examined. And it showed that the killer had eaten string beans and sesame seeds the previous what day. What the fuck? Which is basically just a fun fact because that didn't fucking help anything either. Right. No, that's definitely a fun fact. Oh, it's just infuriating. <laughs> uh, so the clothes that he left behind also had some interesting clues as well. The sweater that he had been wearing at the time of the murder was only sold 
They only sold 130 of those specific, that specific design. Okay. I don't know why that was so hard to get out of my mouth. <laughs> but the police could only track down 12 of the people who actually purchased it. So, not helpful. Well, right. And in 2000, it's not like it's as common to be using PayPal, Venmo. Right, all yeah. Yeah, yeah. That we have right now to make it easier. Yeah. The shoes were determined to be from South Korea. And they found sand in that hit bag that he left behind that was originally from a desert at an Air Force base in California. Hmm. But he was an American. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, his dad was East Asian and his mom was originally from Europe, but it doesn't mean that she, like, lived there, I guess. Right. I don't know. This investigation was the largest in Japanese history. It involves wow. tens of thousands of investigators, and despite all of the manpower, all of the clues, the resources, and internal, internal, international cooperation, the Spups, the, <laughs> the Spups sect, the suspect has never been found. That's insane. To this day, dozens of detectives are still assigned to this case, and they are no closer to solving the case than they were 21 years ago when it happened. Holy they still have shit. no idea. Do they have like a, an age range that this person could be? Like they literally have no idea who they're looking for. No. Like they would have. And to it was be twenty-one years ago. Else. So like, is the guy still alive? How old right. is he now? He would have to be caught for something else that right. they fingerprint him for or have his DNA for. Right. The kids, Nina, would be twenty-nine right now, and Ray would be twenty-seven. Well, my hope is that with all this 23 and me and all this shit. I know. Like that, I can't believe they haven't found it. He left be so like much tomorrow. behind. His clothes, his blood, his poop, and his poopy. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't. That is an insane story. Holy genuinely shit. do not understand how it's never been solved. Wow. It yeah, sucks. my only theory is that he had to be mentally ill. Why would you do all of those things? Right. And what was... Like, for what? Right. For what? Like, what did you gain from that? Other than literally just the joy of killing people and eating their ice cream? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really hope that something happens. I mean, that sucks. It's the largest investigation in Japanese history. That's insane. Yeah. It's, and... There's a lot of fucking people in that country. Yeah. It's right outside of Tokyo. Like, wow. I can't. I don't know, man. Well, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing next week? We're next week. We're not doing our normal. It's sitch. our birthday. And it's your birthday. It is. It's all the birthdays. All the birthdays. Our podcast is one year old and you're a hundred years old. No. I'm just one plus 30. I'm already that age. This is so sad. Uh, I'm well, distracted by the light on my phone right now. Okay. What we're going to do is a secret. So we're not going to tell you a theme because we're not doing a theme. <laughs> we're not going to tell you what we're doing either because that'll just ruin the fun. We're honestly not even sure what we're doing. I have an idea of what I'm doing. I, I... I don't know. I'm going to wing it. It's going to be great. We're going to... It's going to be one. It's... Gonna be something. <laughs> we'll be back next week to tell you which one of our stories was a real life encounter and which one is fiction. 
And we'll also include the credits to this week's stories in the show notes for next week. You can submit your own personal stories, theme suggestions, or a happy anniversary to us if you'd like. Yeah. To but wait, it gets worse at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at but wait, it gets worse. And don't forget to rate and review us five stars, please. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.